Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Jimmy Scott Fitness Podcast Radio Show. Coming to you on this Saturday, June the 6th. Hopefully it finds you out doing shit you love with people you enjoy. And we have a, another special guest on the podcast today. Our very own Monica Millage is going to join us. Monica, welcome to the podcast. Hey, guys. So to give you guys her background, she graduated from Arizona State University with her degree in kinesiology, completing her athletic internship with the Arizona State Sports Medicine Department, working at various PT clinics. She also has her CSCS cert, which... For you fitness folks out there, you know, is arguably the highest level of certification in our field. She also happens to be a mother of three children, Caleb, Maya, and Kobe. I forget the ages. 11, 6, and 8 months currently. Nice. Seems fun. Uh, in a handful. So for those of you guys uh, who don't know, she's basically like been my right hand here. Um, the longest team member we've ever had, I think like 6 years-ish. Going on 7. We're getting old, man. For sure. Um, so she's either sat basically across from me or next to me the entire time, even in our old building when we had no air conditioning. Is that, is that sound about right? That sounds right. Did you sit across from me? I can't remember. Yeah. Laptop's touching. So like when we were there in like the corner, Kelly had Kelly a desk. Kelly had a desk in the corner. That's right. Yep. So I can still remember like uh, you being what I call like super pregnant, uh, coaching the groups and working out in the groups. Because like you, you did it like on a Friday. And then had Maya like on a Sunday on or Sunday. Monday. Mm-hmm. That's crazy, actually. But so she's here with us uh, today. So we're going to kind of chat all things uh, in the current world of what uh, what's going on. So where are you from originally for everybody listening? All right. So I grew up south in southern Arizona here. Um, Nogales is actually where I went to high school. And for any of you who don't know, there is a Nogales, Arizona, and also a Nogales, Mexico. So all we are separated by is literally the border. So small city. How many people? Good question. No, there's definitely more than that. There's infrastructure there. Yes. uh, uh, Well, well, because it's the border, we have uh, the Border Patrol, U.S. Customs, and it's big with produce. So there is, uh, my high school was not tiny. My graduating class was a little over 400. Oh, so so we're not small, but we just do have the one high school. And right on the border. And right on the border, yeah. So like when you're, so you see Border Patrol all the time? All the time. And like as a kid, like how often do you go to Mexico? Um, so growing up, we went basically every Sunday after church. So we go to church on the U.S. side. The family crosses the border, and we have dinner at our favorite restaurant in Mexico. So this was something we did on a weekly basis. And is there, you can just walk across, like it was cool? We usually drove across, but yeah, you could walk across, you could drive across. It was normal. It was very, just something we all did from there. And you don't think twice about it? Don't think twice about it. And the same thing, like if you're in Mexico, you just come over here, just as easy both ways. Yeah, just as easy both ways. Is like, is it different today? Oh, yeah. So now, obviously, we don't do that anymore. No. And I know a lot of my friends that I went to high school with that have stayed in Nogales, they don't do it on the same frequency that they did before. And just because it's not as safe or... I think a lot of people don't feel as safe. There's a lot of attention now being drawn to the border. And so they just feel like maybe they should just avoid it for a little bit. And like, when does that change? Like five years ago, 10 years ago? I feel like with the media and all 
all the stories about the violence in Mexico, probably about five to 10 years. I've, I haven't even been to Rocky Point, which is something we also did on a yearly basis. I've done what? that since, I mean, I've been a mom and Caleb is 11. So it's been at least 11 years since I've been even to Rocky Point. And what is Rocky Point from Phoenix? Two hours? Three hours? Three hours, yeah. But you Three can still drive there, though. Yeah, because you could drive there, yeah. I've been, like, all over the world, but I've never been to Mexico either. Yeah. And I live so close. I mean, we did go. I, the, we did go as a family, Oh, you took to, a vacation. Yeah, we did. We went on vacation. We went to Playa del Carmen. And we actually did that before a lot of this media stuff started coming out. This was before the tainted alcohol stories and the... Oh, yeah. All that. And we actually just missed that. We had gone maybe a couple months before it all kind of came out. And I must say, I never felt unsafe at all there. Do you guys drive? No, you, you, you fly into Cancun, and then you have a whole probably 45, to, 45 minutes to an hour down driving. But it's crazy because even, like, people here, obviously, like, you guys know, like, we're in Scottsdale, Phoenix. Like, so, like, Chris, like, runs a stone company who's here, and, like, he'll drive down for stone stuff. But sometimes the police will stop you and be like, hey, man, give me a couple bucks. Yes. Yeah, that's normal. But that and shit freaks me out, though. That's the police <laughs> asking you for money, bro. Like, like imagine if that happened here. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it was, it's the way of life. And you kind of just, you give them a couple bucks and you just yeah, keep going. Yeah, you just do it. You're you're prepared, obviously. Well, again, like if you watch like, you know, like I'll watch, again, like when you watch TV or you watch the news, everything freaks you. It's like I'll watch like Cartel Land and I'm like, oh shit, like I can't go to Mexico. And I mean, but again, like now you look at America, well, like, shit, we're all doing crazy shit. So it's almost <laughs> right? like, but yeah, just to, it's interesting to hear like how it's shifted over yeah. five, 10, 15 years of like you used to do it as a kid and just, when you're a kid, you just. Driver, does anybody stop you? No. I mean, yeah. Even as kid, even even as a child, I remember we would drive. You know, whether it was Rocky Point, you also a lot of times we also drew, drove to San Carlos, which is a little further into Mexico. Through you, it's different. So you're in the car longer. I mean, you'd get pulled over, you get flagged over, and sometimes you know you have to hand out cash. It's just what it is, and we all knew that, and we were all kind of okay with that. But I never necessarily felt unsafe. I know, obviously, I'm a child, so I'm not carrying that burden, but I, I'm, I'm sure my parents would say otherwise. Yeah. Um, but again, once it was always just getting to wherever you were going, and then once you were there, you felt completely fine. It's just crazy to me, like, now... And so people, I guess if you live in Nogales, you feel safe living there, though, like Nogales. Oh, yeah, like, on, if you're on the U.S. side, you don't feel anything. But if you're on the Mexico side? If I am as an American on the Mexican side? Yeah. Like with you today, would you? We just, we had different, we were held to different standards, right? So things you may have done on the U.S. side, obviously you wouldn't do on the Mexico side because you didn't want to land into Mexican prison. Yeah. But yeah. Which seems way worse than America. To say this for sure. Worse than American prison seems awful. Well, yeah. But if you're over there. I mean, we were just constantly told by our parents and other adults, like, look here, you're innocent until proven guilty. In Mexico, anything you do, you're guilty until you're proven innocent. So don't do anything stupid. So, like, in high school, do you go as a kid just, like, for Oh, yeah. Fun? I mean, it was what we did. We did not have – we had high school proms and dances just like any other high school, but that's not what we did. We would go to them for the photo op, and then we would cross the border, and that's where we partied. We partied at clubs in Mexico all the time. It's just what we did. Um, I do know that now, speaking again to friends from high school and stuff, it's not the same. Now they're kind of cracking down on that. It used to just be kind of something that – Everybody knew we did. And now, obviously, kids aren't doing that at the same frequency we did. But you could drink. Can you? Is What's the drinking age in Mexico? 18. Oh, so you can get fucked up when you're... Oh, yeah. Like, and you're in high school. That's gnarly, man. 
But now kids don't do it or they They still don't. Do they're I mean, I'm sure there are kids who are still doing it, but they are now citing them at the border. They're citing the parents. They're underage and So it's harder to get away it's with. It's harder to get away with it now. They've definitely cracked down on it. And probably not as safe as nineteen ninety seven. Yes. Crazy stuff, man. Yep. So high school, uh played sports, I take it? Yes. Uh year round sports. Yeah, that's just what we did. My parents are athletic. They were always involved in sports. I have two older brothers who played sports year-round, so it's just kind of something we did. And then, so you're going to graduate high school. You decided to go to, obviously. Yeah, I decided to go to ASU. I just have always loved the campus. And then why kinesiology? I love sports. So even though I played sports year-round, any chance that I got, I also, I started interning even in high school with the sports medicine with our athletic trainer and I thought it was really cool what he did. I, again, I love the body. I love movement. And I just wanted to keep going with that. So Kines was kind of just the natural fit for me when I got to ASU. It's also kind of what athletic trainers did. So if you're going to become athletic trainer certified down the road, you went into a Kines program because it basically covered all the necessary things that you need to learn about so that you could pass your test. It's hard. Yeah, it's not easy. The body stuff's rough, man. Yeah, it is. And then, then I'm kind of a nerd with that. I mean, where people would dread taking human anatomy and physiology, I actually loved it. That's I liked true. it, and I did great with it. I even think now, like, can I name... Well, because I asked this, too, like, of, like, when Lindsay was on, I'm like, could you pass, like, your med school exam still? Like, like when you take, like, the CSCS, or yeah. when you take, like... It's so hard to remember, like, even all the insertion, like, origin Yes, origins, stuff, like, insertions, the nerve, in, like, the nerve innervations. Like, that stuff's very... And you have to memorize all oh, of it. Because yeah. we don't... Because I think people like, oh, you learn all these things. We don't talk about that here. No. Nobody who comes to work out, work out here cares about maybe 1% of the people. What do yeah. you want to know? But they don't give a shit. No. But you learn all this stuff to basically pass the test. And yes. there is a good knowledge base to have. But For sure. It's definitely... Yeah. But apart from somebody hurting themselves and you kind of trying to explain to them about that, there's no real... I'm not telling anybody about the origin insertion points of their biceps muscle as they're doing bicep curls. No, they don't care. They don't care. No, they just want to get a pump yeah. and look good and get out of here. Now, when their elbow starts to bother them, then maybe we start talking a little bit, but that's still very... Well, even that, like... Still very in layman's terms. Well, so, like, you're an athletic trainer, though. It's like, you're even then, like, you're referring out... Yeah. ...past the very surface-level stuff. Yeah. But you still have to learn it all, obviously. For sure. So... Go through the kinesiology. How, how was your grade? I don't even know what your grades were in college. I did good. I graduated cum laude. Me too, bro. Woohoo! Oh, I cheated a lot, though. <laughs> I, I did not. I cheated. Did you ever cheat? No, I didn't cheat. Never? Never. Even Lindsay cheated. Mm-mm. Did you listen to her on podcast? No, I didn't listen to her. Yeah, no. so she cheated. I didn't listen to all of it. Well, she cheated, but not like how I cheated. So, like, yeah. I cheated to pass, and she had all perfect grades through high school, except she had 3.9, because... Was it? Yeah, she's in Missouri. Yeah. Missouri government class. She helped let her friend cheat off of her. Then they got caught. So a doctor grade. But like I would cheat to actually pass and get through. Yeah. No, you, I wasn't a cheater. I mean, grades. I again, I had over 400 people in our graduating class, and I think I graduated like 11. So I was in the top five percent of my high school graduating class, which meant in-state tuition was paid for for me. So that was kind of the goal. So then once I got there, they're only paying for it for four years for me. And I had to keep maintain a GPA to keep it. So I obviously had to kind of buckle down with the books. <laughs> and again, I grew up where I grew up and had the experience I did in high school. So I didn't have a lot, this need to go out and party like crazy in college because kind of already You did lived it. the life, yeah. Yeah. I didn't know it either. It's kind of like having an like athletic scholarship. Like I don't play sports. I can't go here. I have no money. We can't yeah. make it. 
I think it was in the I think it was the bottom five person in high school. Like of like three hundred people, I was like yeah. two ninety five of three hundred. Mm-hmm. Like I was the lowest of the low. <laughs> Fuck, we are on opposite spectrums. Dude, it's too hard. <laughs> Like, you know, like, well, and I don't care about it. Like, I just, school sucks. Yeah, and it doesn't, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. Like, do you remember any of that shit? Like, I mean, like, some like, of like it, the but. Math. Like, could you pass, could you pass geometry today? I mean, yes, only because my 11-year-old is in it's sixth doing, grade and yeah. I'm, it's fresh in my mind, but Dude, no, without that. I don't think, remember, like, the sheets we did as kids, the, uh. They're like those math sheets. You had like 100 problems on a page. Yeah, and you they timed you. Oh, dude. I don't even think I could pass those. <laughs> they still use those, in case you're wondering. Do they really? Yeah, they still do times. Bro. They still do times, uh, the multiplication tables oh. in time. Mm-hmm. I think I could do... I Actually, I'm pretty good at those. That's probably where I stop. I'm pretty good at that. Like those... that What is that? Sixth grade? Fifth grade? I mean, it starts third. as early as third, yeah. I'm about third grade math level, I think, right now. <laughs> like, I couldn't do geometry or algebra. There's no way, dude. Like, it's fine until we get into, like, the word problems. <laughs> or, like, fractions. Yeah. I don't understand fractions for shit. That's gnarly. <laughs> Interesting. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, so, after college, you graduate, and then... Yeah, so, at the time, I'm dating somebody who plays basketball. Um, he's... Curtis is now my husband. Um... 15 years we've been married we just this past week we had our 15th wedding anniversary but um he decides that he's gonna go overseas he obviously he had a two-year career at Arizona State and he did really well and you know it just didn't the NBA didn't pan out for him and the next logical option for him was to head overseas to keep playing so that's what he did and like how many places or where's like do you remember the first place you went? so the first place I went to was Germany so, hey, where have you been other than Mexico besides that? So, before I actually traveled with him and this whole journey started, I had only flown to Vegas. I'd been to Mexico as a nice. kid. And those were basically my only trips. Mexico under, was the only country I'd been. Yeah. My parents did fly me all the way to Mexico City when I was 16, which was the furthest, longest international trip I'd ever really taken. Um, apart from obviously kind of these border towns in Mexico. So that was my first trip. And then going to Germany was the first time I'd ever really left, left. Like the country. Like cross the inter- Atlantic Ocean. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking about them like, okay, like the first time I went, I went to f- like as a kid playing basketball. But until college, I, I didn't leave. The- first of all, I didn't leave the country until I was like 30. Yeah. I don't think. Until my, my honeymoon. Yeah. I had not been anywhere. Really, I mean, if you're in Minnesota, Canada, it doesn't really count. Yeah. It's the same shit, but that's not really. So you go from here to Germany's the first place. Yes. And where after that? So, Germany after Germany. How long are you there for? So year. Germany you was yeah. So most typically a basketball contract is anywhere between eight and nine months out of a year. Um, depending on the situation at the time, I was still working here, so I didn't always just leave for a full season you go visit so curtis would go yeah kind of get settled in wherever he was i'd come visit depending again on work schedule and stuff maybe it was two months at a time maybe it was three months at a time come home and then kind of go again that obviously changed as we had kids and stuff but um yeah i mean anywhere between three months two and three months to six months it just depended on the country so germany so germany then he went to play in china after that that's different Mm -hmm. that was a complete completely different experience i've never been 
at the time never been anywhere in Asia and that was a completely different culture. Germany felt a lot like the US except they spoke a different language. Yeah. I mean we even would go to Walmart. They had Walmart in the city no we were shit. in. Yeah, I mean it didn't feel all that not, different. I just assume there isn't Walmart anywhere but here. Yeah, no, they have some. So basically wherever there's kind of an army base, a US army base, there's probably good chances there's a Walmart. Walmart. Nice. Yeah. So, I mean other than learning how to drive a stick because the car doing. that Curtis got in Germany was a stick shift. There really was no real adjustment for me. And there's American type. Oh yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. China no. China no. That was completely different. Now you're talking. I can't even read the signs and try to decipher where I am or where I'm going. And I'm certainly not trying to drive a car anywhere in China. So it's all taxis at this point. And this is before smartphones. I mean, we have cell phones, but they we don't have apps. So how do you go to the grocery store? So you walk downstairs to and in China we didn't live in apartments we actually stayed in hotels so you walk downstairs to the front desk and you ask the English speaking workers there to write in Chinese on a business card where you want to go so they write it out you grab a taxi in the front and then you just basically point to where you want to go and they take you and you just trust this guy and you just trust that they take you that's crazy dude yeah and I mean, China was probably the scariest place I've ever been in terms of in a car. <laughs> well, yeah, because it's like there's, a, tri- yeah, I there's mean, a trillion people. There's, yes, there's so many people. Even just crossing, if you go walking, even just crossing the street anywhere in China was kind of like, whoa, very eye-opening experience. Well, I think anytime, like I've been, like if you're in Rome or something, and I'm watching them drive. I don't even understand the rules. Yeah. Because it's like roundabouts, but then there's like all vehicles going all direct. I'm like, who's stopping? Who's going? Exactly. It doesn't make any sense to mm-hmm. me, being from America. Yeah. So after China. So after China, there's Croatia, which was one of my favorite places because of obviously it's a beautiful country. I've heard we, that from a lot of people. We're very lucky. We were on the Adriatic Sea. We were in Split. Um this is way before. I mean, this is 2006, 2006. Yeah, 2006. So this is way before Game of Thrones. Yep. Because Croatia has become very popular thanks to Game of Thrones. Um, so now it was it's very like Pinteresty. Yeah, people, it's very people are. It's very. It's obviously getting more touristy. When we went, it was still very kind of the undiscovered gem, I guess you would call it. So it was beautiful. We loved it. And I obviously didn't have children at the time. So we were able to just. <laughs> like me and Heather. Get the dream. Get do whatever we wanted whenever we wanted. And it's definitely someplace that it's very special to us. And I remember that place. And I'll always remember that. I'd love to take my kids back though. Heather wants to go there too. Because like obviously now like we see like with Rick yeah. Steves and the dudes like it looks amazing. Yeah. I mean, there's so many islands and it's set up very. I mean you can put your car on a ferry hit up the islands then you have your car on the islands and you just very hot basically it's actually very it's, it's a hike though right like how far it is i mean when i flew where did you go to New York? I, f- I think i flew phoenix to chicago chicago to frankfurt and i think i went frankfurt to split and how far is that i mean you're traveling all day basically because i talked to like Lindsay's taking the same trips like mm-hmm. uh athens mykonos uh we went but i'm like that it crushed me yeah. Like, that's a long way. The boat stuff gets me, too. Like, after you're on, like, yeah. the plane forever. Like, and see, multiple stops. That's the nice thing about Croatia. You don't have to worry about that. That's tight, actually. Mm-hmm. So, after Croatia, where do you go? So, after Croatia, then um, we went to Latvia, which 
I mean, I'm, <laughs> I hate to admit it, but I had to Google it. I didn't know where that was. I don't know where it is. And um, so it's Northeast Europe. It's one of the Baltic states. It's a former U.S. or a former Soviet Republic. And that place actually was probably where we've spent the most time during Curtis's basketball career. So again, this place is very special to us for sure. It's like the first time we probably had enough time to fully immerse ourselves somewhere. And I feel, feel like that was kind of the f- like the first second home for us, like truly a second home. Yeah. Whereas kind of the other places feel like, okay, we're kind of visiting. It's like a vacation. Yeah, it's more like a longer, a long vacation. Latvia felt like home. And then after that? And then after Latvia, um, Russia was the next spot. How was Russia? Now, Russia's a little different because now I have an infant. So Caleb's born before Curtis. Uh, he's born in the summer. Curtis signs and leaves in September to Russia. And so now I have an infant. I've This is the longest time now that I've stayed home because now I want, you know, Caleb's a baby. So we got to get him immunized and he has to get certain vaccines. And we want to make sure we're on that schedule before we go. So I probably stayed home that season for half of it. So then I went in spring and, and, and now you, I'm going to Russia. And you take him with you. And I'm taking... How old is he? Caleb. Caleb is... So we left in March. So what? So he's born in July. So August, September, October. He's eight months old. You're taking your eight months old so to Russia. I'm taking my eight month old to Russia. Nobody does that. Yeah. And it's March. So I'm thinking, okay, it's not going to be that cold, right? Because... It's, we live in Arizona. We it's live like in Arizona, yeah. And I got it. I know now we've lived in Latvia, which is also pretty far. It's northeast Europe. It's cold there too. But now we're going to literally a city in Siberia. We're not as far north. That's I crazy. mean, Russia is obviously a very big country. If you look at it, we were in Krasnoyarsk. So if you're going to look at the map, we're basically dot in the center. So like in it and in it, yeah. And it's cold. <laughs> Still. Very cold. Um, Russia was fine, other than the inconvenience of it being so cold and having an infant. If you can imagine for my moms out there, you bundle up your kid just to go out to the grocery store and your kid poops. So now you're stripping off all the layers, changing them just to get them all ready again to go out again. And then you get into a building which now is super heated and hot. So now you're stripping off layers again. And it was things like that where I grew up in Arizona. We don't ever use a coat we don't need a hat we don't need gloves we don't even own umbrellas yeah we don't yeah it's so that was probably the hardest for me well i obviously had friends in latvia who had children and i was seeing them doing that with their kids but it's different to live it when you do it for the first yeah. time and russia like um china you cannot drive there so we had a driver we had a taxi driver we would always call and it's the same thing like americans can't drive or you just don't? You can, you just don't. It didn't, it's not someplace I would learn how to drive. The team had a, a driver for Curtis and his uh, his te- his other American teammates. And we could always use him when we needed him. But, I mean, we're now a family of three needing, and there's five imports trying to use the same driver. Right. So we just got our own, basically. Like, we've never, uh, we've taken, like, well, like I'm sick. If you guys go like make Meek and Elsa, like we took a like a four wheeler because you can drive those on the street there because it's yeah. it's so small. But like I would never drive in Barcelona. No. Like me personally, like mm-hmm. I would be scared to death. Like I don't yeah. like driving here most of the yeah. time. But like there's just no way. Yeah. So that's why I wonder, like in China or Russia, like I guess you could, but yeah. unless you're like a daredevil, you probably don't. Yeah. No. I mean, I did, and this our time spent in Latvia, I definitely drove. Like that was again. So it feels more like home because you're doing things you would do. 
in your regular home normal stuff yeah and so after Russia, so then after Russia we um Ukraine was next or maybe France <laughs> I forget one of the two but yeah I mean same thing we're going Ukraine France was really cool um yeah it was France next France so France was cool we were in the south of France it was beautiful Heather loves it probably one of my favorite places because again now it's more western because by this point we spent a lot of time kind of in northeast europe now we're kind of in western europe there's definitely more english speaking it's the south of france it's not cold it's chill and it's chill like and when i say it's chill like the people in the south of france are chill it was the first time in his basketball career that he wasn't practicing twice a day every day never getting a day off i mean this it was definitely more chill if he had a game on friday night he didn't have to practice Saturday. So now we have a car. We're in the south of France. And now we have the ability to just get in the car and drive in the French Riviera, basically, and just explore. So this was a really fun trip for us, too. And we had Caleb at this time as two, I think. So it's, he's not at a bad age. You just strap him in the car seat and it's closer we to just it's went. It's closer to America. Yeah. Than so that, that was cool for us, too. So France. Yeah. Then, then Ukraine. Ukraine. <laughs> Ukraine's a little different. Not on my list of places to visit. No. Yeah, we had a lot. I mean, I love everywhere we go has like a like leave something with you. You know, it's kind of hard because you know when you're American and you travel overseas, you you go for such a short time. It's different. You're just going to Tur- see touristy or shit. touristy shit. Yeah. When we go, we're meeting people and we're most immersed in the culture, and it's really hard. We say goodbye so much to friends. To friends, yeah. yes, and. It is a little hard for us. And even in places that I would, I mean, I would never say, hey, I'm going to go take this touristy trip to Ukraine. But at the same time, I'm glad I did. You learn a lot. And even after Ukraine had all of their violence, everything that happened with there, we were actually in a city at one point in Donetsk that's basically been leveled. The Donetsk that we remember is not anything from like war and from shit. war. Yeah. And it, it kind of, you know, it breaks my heart. We know people who live there. We, you know, Still. and. It's just, it's very sad to see places that you remember as one thing and to feel for those people and what they're going through. It's, it's pretty hard. So I'm glad, I'm glad that we got to go there. Before. Before, yeah. yeah. And so after Ukraine? And after Ukraine, there's Romania, which again, not a place that would have picked then, hey, let's go to Romania. It was beautiful in Romania. Romania is also one of my favorite places. The food was amazing. The people are amazing. Um, I can drive in Romania. Nice. (laughs) Now I have two kids with me in Romania. Oh, yeah. That's what what Heather and I would say, too. Like, and again, anybody who's listening who travels with kids, like, respect. Or who has kids in general. It just seems like a lot of work to me. Because I've watched your kids grow up here, and I'm like, (laughs) fuck, it's unbelievable. And I'm like, we go places, and lucky we don't kill each other. You know, like, by that time, like, we fly from here to Detroit, like, Detroit to... Uh, you know, if it's Athens and then Athens to like, it's just, it's so much. And then you're doing with two little kids. Yeah. By yourself. By myself. Yes. Seems awful. Yeah. And you know, and it's shocking because people like, I would never do that. But the kids, I mean, they're kids and they're great. I mean, they get used to things and it it becomes their normal. When you're kid, again, I think we always say like, it's easier to like establish a culture than change one. Exactly. Like if your kids were already... And it's crazy. I think it would suck because they're young and it's a hassle because you basically have to do everything for them. Yes. But if they're nine and they've never been here and then you start to do it, it'd probably yeah. be harder, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, I 
multiple occasions, my kids were probably more well-behaved than most adults on flights. Nice. So, I mean, they got used to it. They were good. <laughs> Lots of candy. <laughs> yeah. This is, bef- and they, this is before most of the iPad stuff. Um, for Caleb, yes. So, my very first flights with Caleb, it was before iPad. By this time, Maya's lucky. Maya's an iPad kid for sure. Yeah. She's had access to that for ever <laughs> he's doing with nothing but yeah for him we we're i remember we were just talking about this we were traveling with um remember the portable dvd players yeah so that's know. basically what we travel with so my bag had the portable dvd player and all his dvds and that's kind of what kept him entertained on these flights it's as close as you can get to yeah the ipad so and then as i got you know as we had more kids and it got a little more challenging. Now, by this point, we have smartphones, and it's easier to use them. There's apps now. Google Translate works. And, and games and things. Yeah, and there's just it's just easier now to kind of navigate, whereas before we'd have to avoid restaurants that didn't have an English menu. Now, it didn't matter. If you wanted to eat there, you just walked in, ter- opened your Google Translate app, and literally it translates right there for you. That's crazy, too, because like, we're the only people who don't speak different languages oh for sure basically yeah i don't mean all of us but i mean like yeah. people like me like when i were I remember we're in spain barcelona and i'm like getting sick because like we do this men's health stuff my body is just beat to shit and i'm like i need cough medicine but i don't know how to say one single fucking word and i'm walking into like the pharmacia you know and you, yeah. you can tell because like they'll have the cross on it and you can yeah i mean i can defer and i'm not, I'm not that stupid but you walk in i'm like and again, she doesn't speak a word of English, which yeah. most of them do. And I'm like doing hand signals. And by the way, first of all, the drugs they give you there are not like the drugs here. Well, it's very herbal to yes, start. Yes, it's bullshit. The drugs don't work. I'm like, <laughs> I need NyQuil. And the lady's looking at me and she gives me like this maple syrup and I, none of it works. I'm like, it was just like the worst thing ever. But you realize how like ignorant you are because I'm like, I'm in this country and I don't speak one single word and yeah. I don't even understand anything and I'm just expecting them to like you don't know English yeah like what the hell is wrong with me yeah but that was been my I mean it's it's crazy that we don't do that here like no. most of them like when you especially like the, in the hospitality industry like most of the people at the hotel like to have somebody who does speak English or for sure kind of insane to see yeah and I mean everywhere we went even places you wouldn't expect right and all of the kids are learning some sort of English so in their actual elementary schools they are taking english classes and no matter where we were whether we were in some small tiny city in ukraine or like in the middle of siberia in russia like the young kids are learning english so yeah you may run into the older population that don't speak any english but whenever we were in trouble i mean it was the kids usually knew you could ask they could ask yeah and they knew and like yeah like we take i took like spanish class here yeah it's bullshit though yeah yeah it's like i'm learning like biblioteca like you it's a library like that but i learned like four words yeah and i basically cheated my way through so i didn't really learn shit but they do it there like and again i think it's again when you look at like how we learn like at a younger age yeah we're more absorbed we can oh my god it's so they're like sponges and Mm -hmm. i think we should do that for sure yeah we don't so from there after romania we went um estonia yes estonia was next or maybe estonia was before romania i think estonia was before romania Yes, because Maya was, that was the, yeah, that was the first place we took Maya's baby. I remember some of the names. Yeah. And Estonia, like we had been to before, um, because Curtis had spent so much time in Latvia. It's also a Baltic state, also a former Soviet Republic. We had, I'd driven there before to watch Curtis play games. So we're very familiar with that city. It's a very cool city. Estonia is probably one of my favorite cities as well. I mean, I could live in a lot of these places. That's gnarly. Um, 
I mean, it was just super advanced. This is the first place, the first country we'd lived in where I paid for my parking on my cell phone by like texting. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and this Estonia, if you don't know, Estonia, that's where they um, invented Skype. Skype came from Estonia. Really? Which was a game changer for us because this is before FaceTime and Google Duo if you're an Android user. But all these video calling, we, <laughs> when Curtis started, it was literally calling cards. I was driving to Lily's Oriental Market in Chandler because at the time I lived in Ahwatukee. And I would stop there just to pick up calling cards because that was the best calling card. It gave me the most minutes. <laughs> well, yeah, because I remember, like, I just forget, like, that exists. Yeah. But, like, didn't one time, like, he used his phone for data or something? Like, oh, yeah. Bill, like, yeah, crazy. your bill. Yeah. One time. I, the first trip I ever took out of the country in Germany, I remember I landed in Germany and I went to the payphone to call my mom just to tell her that I made it to Germany safe. And yeah. it was like a $26 phone call. And I literally was on the phone for 60 seconds. That's gnarly, dude. Mm-hmm. So now we're, we're very lucky now. Because now you just turn on your cell phone and basically yeah. with the internet and stuff, yeah. it's way easier. And so many so many plans here in the U.S. offer free roaming, free data in other countries. Mm-hmm. I think I had a calling card as a kid. Like I took a trip to like Florida and I could like call my mom. But I'm yeah. like, And it had like you get like 20 minutes on the card or something like yeah. that. God, just to think, like, how much technology changes stuff. For sure. And how old we are. Yeah. That's gnarly. And that's everywhere? Oh, and then we finished out in Poland. I remember that. Yeah. So, that I mean, that's, we're going on three years now. So. That's a lot of places. And Poland, too. Amazing. What's uh, the favorite place? Croatia? I mean, if you're talking, like, yeah, like. Where you would go back today just for fun. Just for fun. Croatia, for sure. Um. Again, Latvia is super special to us. We spent so much time there. I'd like my kids to see it. Um, I would. It's argu- arguably Curtis's probably favorite basketball years. I think for him, he would love to go back. Um, we have really good friends in Romania that I'd love to see. Like, what about the least favorite? We're like, eh, I don't need to go back. <laughs> well, I wouldn't want to go back to Ukraine right now, and I not because of the people or anything, just because of the situation. For sure. Yeah. Interesting. It's just so many places compared yeah. to... Yeah. And you got to live there. Which and I got different. to live in them, which was... Yeah. Because like when we go... And it's what people say when they... It's like when friends of ours come here. Oh, Jeremy, you don't have a tan. I'm like, well, no, I live here and I work here. Because yeah. they're used to like... They come to Arizona. Oh, we'll go to the Grand Canyon. Like we'll lay out by the pool. I'm like, but when you live somewhere, yeah. it's different than we... Because like For my... Sure. Well, how I think of like Rome is... Oh, it's a Coliseum. It's like... Yeah. Well, yeah but when you actually live there... You're not hanging out at the Coliseum. No, you don't hang out at the Coliseum. No. If anything, you're probably avoiding all that, all that area yeah. and that traffic. Well, it's interesting because I remember like we'll be out to dinner. I forget where we were. Maybe like Sorrento or somewhere in Italy. And the couple next to us is from Germany. And like, oh, you're from America. And like, yeah. And like, oh, we've been to America. And where have they been? L.A. and New York. Yeah. Miami. Miami is a popular with, Northeast, with Northeast Europeans. And they think like that's like, how can you live there? The traffic and the... I'm like, well... We don't live there. Like, where yeah. you live? Arizona. And all they think is... Cactus. Grand, yeah, in Grand Canyon. Like, that's how... They, they don't... I'm like, well, I live in Scottsdale, but it's hard to explain. Yeah. So you get a better picture. For sure. Of it than all the rest of us. And then you have the freedom, if, especially in a country where you can use the car. You get in your car and you explore. I'm so scared to drive in other countries, though. Because of the rules. It just depends where you're at. Well, I think if you're, like, in, like, Iceland or something. Like, it's chill yeah. and it's smaller. But the bigger cities. Like, I would yeah. never want to be in Paris and drive around. 
was, and then obviously, yeah, and then obviously their infrastructure is different. The way the, the way their highways are, you could be on a two lane highway oh, that goes down to one lane, and then you're literally driving through a town, and chickens are crossing the road. And this is the highway. This is how to get to the next major city. And so, what could take what would take us here twenty minutes takes an hour and a half to do. Well, I remember like being in a road. Maybe it was Amalfi Coast, and we're on a. Bu- I was on a bus, and the bus is coming around this corner, like you're on a cliff, basically. Yeah. And then there's just you're gonna fall into the sea and die, and you're coming around the corner, but then there's like a motorcycle coming, and the bus actually has to stop and back up a little bit, so then the motorcycle, motorcycle can cross. go by. I go, but this is on a road. Yeah. There's just not enough space though, mm-hmm. because they were built before they figured out yeah. like, hey, there were gonna be people here on buses. Which is kind of trippy, too. Yeah. And you never see that here. No. But obviously, we have seven-lane highways and shit. And For sure. We overcrowd those. <laughs> so, uh, as we're like chatting, obviously, this week, as we go into it, I'll just share with you guys here like what I post on IG. Obviously, you know the climate of the world of, of like what's going on. I'm from Minnesota originally, and to watch like all the stuff that's happening, it's it's crazy. And obviously, you know to see. You know, George Floyd, it's a devastatingly, like, terrible thing that obviously, you know, should never happen. And I'm 100% obviously against hate and violence and bigotry and the racism. And, like, obviously we have to all be better as people. And if this can be, like, a learning opportunity. And part of the reasons why I want to bring Monica on to you guys is obviously she's, you know, a woman who's married to an African-American man who has three interracial children. Just to have her, you know, share her take of, like, the current season and maybe the conversation she has with her kids that I think would be different than the conversations like my parents would have with me if this is going on now, if I was a kid. Yeah. And so like when you guys see it or when you talk to it, like how do you navigate that? Cause like Caleb is older. Yes. He's 11. Now. He'll be 12 next month. So when he's like, when you guys, I'm sure like, you know, and some people will say like, we won't watch the news or we won't turn it on i don't think you probably have the same luxury no we don't definitely don't have that privilege um and this is not new for us caleb is turning 12 next month but we've start we've had to talk to caleb since he was five i mean there's just things you have to talk to your children about there's certain instances where they can be caught out that where they're not necessarily safe so as a mom you're so again all moms understand this you always feel like you're not doing enough or you're doing too much or you're questioning your parenting and you're just you're just trying not to f up your children right so there's that pressure as a mom as it is now add on top of it now you have these beautiful innocent children and now you have to sit them down and tell them i mean basically break their spirit and tell them that okay not all people are good. Not all people are going to treat you the same based on the color of your skin. And it's heart-wrenching. It really is. It, it's not a talk anyone ever wants to have with their kids. But at the same time, if I don't sit them down and tell them this, then it may mean they don't come home to me. And that, I think, is... That's where, with everything going on recently, I just certainly hope that if you are privileged enough to never to tell your kid not to be careful that you understand that there's a lot of people that do and what can you do or what what can you tell your kids so that they understand that they have this and that they can speak up and that they can have a voice and um 
It's like when you guys start, like he's five or six. Yeah. Is it like you're proactively doing it or some kid at school said something or you it's saw something? It's usually proactive yeah. at this point. Kids don't. When they're young, they don't know the difference. I mean, my kids, I get told all the time now. My kids are older, obviously, not with the 11 and 6. I get told all the time how, how fun they are, how social they are, how they can play anywhere. They can play with any kids. And, and that's very true. And I think that luckily their past obviously has helped them. We've taken our kids and we've basically taken them out of their comfort zone and we put them in these other countries where they don't know anybody and we've they just make friends just make friends and in the same note that's what kids do so they don't they don't care what you look like they don't care where you live they don't care they just they just want to play yeah and so that's definitely helped them but at the same time they've always looked different and they're always going to look different and at some point it becomes a threat to people i don't know when that happens i don't i i don't know <laughs> like when Caleb's like 14. Caleb, yeah, 14, yeah. First and you know, of all, he's like the nicest kid ever. For sure. I say he's almost too nice. Like, he would be the kid who would get into the van of the guy offering him candy. <laughs> For sure. he's like, hey, let's be buddies. And I'd be like, fuck you, weird guy in the van. But that would be me. You yeah. Know? But I don't understand that either. Because, like, they're the nicest kids. Yeah. But because, oh, you know, oh, he's a black kid or something. And then someone feels like threatened. I don't know where yeah. that shift happens either or why it happens. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, and I, and how do you say, how, what do you say to him yeah. for that? Like, how does that even. So we just, so very recently we were talking about Tamir Rice because he was 12. For anyone who doesn't know about that story, he was 12 and Caleb is about to be 12. And I mean, they've done all the studies and the research, but so we see people of color, we see kids black children as older than they are. So Caleb's going to be 12, but he is perceived by most people as much older than he is, even though, again, the nicest, sweetest, most loving kid. I mean, he's rarely not smiling from ear to ear. Oh, yeah. No, he's way nicer than I ever was, for sure. Um, but I don't, but out alone, he's now a threat somehow. So we have to tell him that. And we just, it's, we have to tell him he has to be more careful than his friends. You know, and it's just, it is what it is at this point. Um, and does he understand? Like, does He understands. I mean, he's obviously had situations, nothing on any scale like what we've been hearing about or dealing insane. with. But he knows he looks different. And I guess my, my parenting style, I've never not told them that they're different or they're special or they're, we all do that as parents. Right. And I have a very well-meaning friends. A lot of his closest friends, their parents are like, oh, well, we raise our children to be colorblind. And while I know that comes from a very good place, it's not reality. It's not reality. And it actually dismisses his his experience because you can say that you can tell your kids that they can be colorblind and that they can't see color because it doesn't affect them personally. But for Caleb and then for Maya and obviously for Kobe, when he gets older, it's it is them. They have they will always have to see their color. They have to be aware. And that's so it doesn't work. And if it if being colorblind worked, then we probably wouldn't be in the situation we that we've seen. Shit a long time yes. Ago. So it's not enough to say, like, I don't see color. We're not racist. It works. No. It doesn't. We are different. 
We are different. But and it's like you can understand and educate. Yeah, and exactly. You can ask questions. I mean, ask what the experience is like. Talk to your kids about, you know, things that, well, what are your friends, obviously. If you're lucky enough to actually be able to be in a more diverse situation. Because Scottsdale is mostly. Yeah, Scottsdale is not, doesn't do well. I mean, my, I send my kids to public school here in SUSD. And while they're great schools, they are pretty low on the diversity scale yeah so and my kids are kind of a handful (laughs) the ones on our campus i mean and um and i know that i have lots of very good friends who just say you know please don't send your kid anywhere else because it helps my kid you know so they understand and i like i mean i obviously really appreciate those parents because they're raising their children to see color and to understand that they have a privilege that black people in america just don't and so, like, is he? Because I, I use Caleb as an example because he's older. Like, when he's when you guys watch the news or you see it, like, do, is he to the age where like, does he scared? Like, does he? Definitely. I mean, it's there's a fear that I mean, that could be me, you know. And he's not so scared that he doesn't want to go out, and he's not in tears asking me when am I next or am I gonna die. But yeah. on the same note, it he is scared. Which no kid should do that. No, no. It, it's a very unfair thing that we ask our black children to carry the burden of your fear, or somebody else's fear. Like, it's not, it already is. They're kids. They should be kids. They shouldn't have to, Caleb doesn't, shouldn't have to worry about the grandma at Safeway seeing him as a threat. Like, that's not something, why does he have to twist himself up and have a list of things he needs to do so she's not scared of him. When she can very well open a book, click a link, read an article, just educate herself. Well, Heather and I were talking about that today. Like, because Olivia had shared uh, this huge article with us. And I'm like, yeah. I go, people are lazy. Like, For a normal sure. person, I'm like, I go, because I looked at it and I go, within two seconds, I'm like, normal people won't read this. Yeah. Because people just aren't willing to take the time. And I think that's probably the biggest thing. Like, so, like, for you guys, like, and again, how do you what is the best thing somebody can do to obviously educate themselves like there's things they can do but most people don't like they don't have conversations with their friends or they're just kind of stuck in this kind of weird old mentality they're like or uh, they're just kind of ignore it like well it doesn't affect me directly yeah i'm like but it does though oh for sure it affects all of us i think the hardest part as i've talked to a lot of people especially recently about it is to not don't be defensive about it when someone tries to explain to you that their experience is different or that it's unfair, I think we have this natural urge to be defensive about it. Like we're like it's a we're taking it personally against you and it's nothing to do with that. It's just it's all they're asking for is an equal opportunity for them. So when I tell you that if you're a white woman who grew up in Scottsdale, you you are you are privileged that's not um that's nothing negative against you it doesn't say that you didn't work hard to get where you are because that's not what that means it just means that you will never know the experience that my kids will eventually have to face like they are looked at differently they're always there's barriers that they will have to (laughs) go through that you just don't you're never scared you're not scared when you call it when you dial 911 because you're fearing for your safety you are not thinking, what do I have to do to stay alive after this 911 call? That is something that we have to talk to our 6 and 11-year-old about. This is, we're talking life and death, not 
just you know someone might look at you different you're talking about like you for sure they have a panic like mm-hmm. where my mom and dad never had that conversation no. with me. or like we've talked about this before here yeah if i'm driving down the street and i get pulled over and again i'm a, I'm a fan of police officers obviously the ones for who sure are, me are dog us shit, too yeah they need to go like that's the argument people like oh like the police are terrible they're not there's terrible people in a lot of shit and some police officers are terrible like any profession but the ones who are good and take that responsibility on like i appreciate them even with that said when they pull me over i'm like fuck dude like you get nervous because i'm like what are they going to try to do like you're in this apprehensive state but i'm not afraid like you're not afraid for your life never once have i been where that's a different scenario for sure i mean and that's what that's it's the problem. real yes and even though we're here we are in scottsdale which feels such like such a safe space to till, raise our children till a, a week ago <laughs> right yeah. um but it's not and no matter how how much we do we can't shield them from it we can't keep them in this little bubble and at some point they're going to go outside of it and this is what life will be like for them and to understand that it's not enough for you know, to say like we're in our family, in our house, we aren't racist. That's not enough. It, it isn't enough anymore. It's never been enough. It's, it's if it was as simple as we just don't like you. <laughs> I mean, we wouldn't be here. I mean, no. there, we have to be able to say, okay, the, there's this is systemic. This is on this huge scale. There's discrimination based on the color of your skin that has seeped into all of these platforms and to be able to and to say that to say okay yes we acknowledge that that's there and now what can we do to help remove that so again it's and i really appreciate all of my white friends who have stood up and they're posting resources for people books to read podcasts to listen to movies to watch all of these things where have some empathy really truly listen without being defensive well and again like when people hear like oh like you know if you you know and I, we use scottsdale example because we live here yeah and it's an affluent community typically if you live here you're not dead broke yeah i'm probably the brokest dude in scottsdale to be honest with you guys <laughs> so like when, he's not when you look at it i mean my neighborhood is you know <laughs> as normal as it can be but i'm like when you look at it like oh well you grew up in scottsdale you're white and like that's not a negative thing no it's not no, at all it's no more than like when you talk about it economically if you grew up poor as shit and you grew up in a five million dollar house there's a privilege there you have to acknowledge that like we can't you're not you can't deny that two things are different and like there's certain things that like caleb will have to deal with that i clearly didn't yes like i'm not ignorant enough to think like it is no he got to go to 25 countries oh yeah i didn't get to go to so he you know but again him just being you know a black man in america me being a white dude like like we've talked about before yeah if curtis and i walk into a room for sure some people look at us like oh here's a white dude here's a black dude and they feel a certain way for sure which is wrong yeah but like we don't naturally have that no like that's some shit learned we've behavior learned somewhere. it mm-hmm. and that's the issue i guess yes like if in how do we Obviously, I don't know the perfect answer, but other than like, it's just education. It's education. It's being able, you can't fix what you don't admit is there, acknowledge that exists. And, you know, when we say, you know, (laughs) the the whole movement now, when people say, well, you know, the, I get a lot of, well, yes, black lives matter, but all lives matter. Well, of course, all lives matter. We, the movement doesn't say, has never said that they don't. Well, that's, again, the analogy I see is like, that's saying, all, all houses matter. 
And all, all people's homes do matter. Yeah. But the ones that are on fucking fire, bro. Yes. You have to deal with those ones first. Exactly. And because the other ones don't have this issue going on at the moment. And I think that's where it comes from. Like, I have no issue when people... For sure. But I don't get, like, why we try to defer. Yeah. And I think that's, like, where we really have to examine ourselves. And no one... I mean, let's be real. No one wants to talk about racism. Racism makes you uncomfortable. It makes you feel a certain way. But that's what needs to be done. And may, do you wonder why it makes you feel uncomfortable? Because maybe we've all played a part in it. And so it's... We need to be able to be honest with ourselves and really think about our behavior and really take the time to learn if someone tells you they're in pain who are we to say you're not you know i just try to be a little more empathetic i I would think with everything that's happened in 2020 that you know corona gave us gratitude for things maybe we took some things for granted and now we're like stuck in our house and we can't go anywhere and you know businesses are hurting and so now i feel like we can maybe we can take some of that gratitude and now maybe we can be more empathetic to groups of people that maybe we weren't before which is i think why this is kind of steamrolled which is it is it is nice to see bigger corporations standing up and finally speaking out on things where before they didn't i mean this is the biggest i mean if you want to call it if it's whatever the terminology be if the if it's a civil rights movement yeah or just like a be a better human being for sure like You've never seen it in 50 states. No, in other countries. In countries. Yes. At one time at scale. Mm-hmm. And as awful as this shit is, like, if that's the positive thing that For comes sure. to that, it is terrible that it has to come to that yeah. to kickstart that. And if that's where the dialogue begins and then moving forward, it's that. Like, that's pretty cool. But I'm like, you've never seen that before. No. Like, even if you go back to, like, L.A. rioting and stuff. Yeah, it's no, just never LA. in at least my lifetime have but, I ever seen so much... So so many people being so vocal about a movement, finally. Which is pretty badass yeah. to see. But you have to do it, though. And I yeah, guess- and you have to do the work. So it's not enough. So now, okay, so now we're speaking up because we're aware it's there. And now we're educating ourselves. So now what? Well, now we we vote. <laughs> we we start on our local. We start with our local because let's be real. This is where This is where we live. This is where we work. This is where we are, right? So... We ask for things. <laughs> well, we have to do... Well, that's what's... Like, we have to do the work. Regardless, I'm not a political person. But yeah. we don't really... We talk here and around about... we in the office yeah. about it. Like, it's not going to start with that shit. No. It's not going to start from the very top and trickle no. down. It's going to be us and then your local communities yep. moving forward. Because, no offense, the leadership of America is probably not going to be the ones to initiate it. No. They just won't. Mm-mm. We have to do it from within, essentially. For sure. But yeah, it's just crazy to, to, and that's why I wanted to bring you on just to see like you know how you talk and say things compared to, you know how we would say things to our kids and how to go about it. Which it's wrong that you have to do it. it the reason people are like, well, it, why is it uncomfortable? Because I think inherently as a human, you know it's it's wrong. Yes. Like this fucked up shit that's been going on, and you see, like you know it shouldn't, it shouldn't be that way. Yes. But if you just don't, if you don't speak about it, if you don't put, then it's just kind of always. Then it's there. It's basically what we've been doing since the civil rights movement. We've just said, okay, we're, we attached to the idea that, you know, we we're colorblind now and we're raising them like that. And this is why everything's been good. We've made so many strides forward. I've heard a lot, a lot of that. We've made so many strides forward. No, we really haven't. (laughs) No. We just haven't talked about it. No. Well, again, and I guess it's almost like it's out of sight, out of mind. Yes. That's why I say, you know, 
some like I won't watch. I don't watch the news because I don't want to hear about fucking coronavirus anymore. I've had, it. even though it's here and I know it's real, it's just it's like every day it's yeah. like some negative shit, and it's like then you see all of this stuff, and like some people can maybe tune it out, but if you have kids or if you are a person like of color, like you can't. No. Like, and, and none of us really can. No. Like we just have to acknowledge there's yeah. stuff going on, and not just being. You know, and that's why I wanted to bring you on here and our other stuff. Because, like, if I don't say anything and just let it go, it's like... Then you're you're technically part com- of the problem. You're kind of compliant yeah. with yes. it, I guess. Where it's like, oh, your friends were still dropping, like, you know, racist jokes or, like, saying inappropriate shit. And if you always just let it roll... Yes, now you're contributing. It'll always roll. Mm-hmm. And is that... Do you really want to interrupt your coworker or a family member who's saying some dumb shit? You don't because it's going to start an argument or For a fight, sure. but you almost have to yes like it's your responsibility if you want to be part of the solution for sure and that's an awkward place to be no it is definitely and again i appreciate all my friends and family and people who have said something because i know it's hard it is hard to alienate yourself from people you really care about it's it's scary to be out there but that scary uncomfortable feeling you feel please know that that's how black people feel every day in america like a shred of it though yeah like you still don't even know what the true experience is no like okay do i like when i'll post on instagram the last couple days the amount of people who are like i'll unfollow you and this i'm like dude do you think i give a fuck if you unfollow all the awesome free dope shit i've been giving you like i don't give a shit you're mad because i want everybody to have an awesome life like then you're the opposite of what we're doing and i have no problem doing that you know when it's people in your close circle calling them out and be like hey dude like you can't talk like that that's that is an uncomfortable thing oh that's like a sliver of being uncomfortable driving in your car getting yes. pulled over by police thinking um, someone's going to shoot you. Putting on your AirPods and going for a run. I mean, what more? Sitting in the sofa in your own home. <laughs> I couldn't like that's the stuff that I couldn't imagine, and that's I think that's why they're you know hopefully from all of this that these are the things that continue to and people and you keep the momentum rolling with it for sure. So the next generation of of ten year old kids doesn't have to feel the same way. Yeah, hopefully. So, yeah. I mean, that's basically the takeaway, right? I have a good friend, and we were talking about this yesterday, and she was saying that one of the best things she's heard is that, I mean, we're all in the same storm. We're just obviously all, can we at least acknowledge that we're all in different boats? 100%. Like, some of you are in million-dollar yachts, and there's a lot of people on a little tug-tug boat. Like, some are on... On a life raft. Yes, and on a life raft that, you know, know, with holes. (laughs) And just because you acknowledge that, or maybe you benefited from it at some point, it doesn't make you a bad person. No. No one's angry at you personally. We're just asking that you are aware of it, that you acknowledge it, and that you educate yourself a little bit, have some empathy, listen to the experience, and try to understand. It's like anything, right? Always just try to understand what someone else is going through, because you don't really know. You never really know. And just because you may not personally experience something doesn't make it not real. No. And all we can do is talk about it. For sure. Keep educating ourselves every single day. Yep. That's almost an hour, bro. That's a long time. We could talk about this for like 10 hours. Oh, for sure. But I appreciate it, man. That's, you know, A, I didn't know all that stuff about you either, which is yeah. weird. Because you sat next to Because I sat next to you for seven, seven years. years. I know. I'm not great at asking qu- I'm a dude. I don't ask a lot of questions. You don't talk a lot. Uh, and I'm not somebody who talks a lot. 
put us in the same room and there's not a lot of talking. No, because we work in the office here with another kid and he did never. He shut, talks enough he for both of us. Never shuts the hell up. So um, I dig it, man. We'll bring you back on too. Yeah. Uh, no, I appreciate it as, as stuff goes. But I just thought yeah. people need to hear from your perspective, being a mom. Uh, sure. in the environment and yeah. what you do but uh it's dope um i'll post this up on instagram you guys can see here you want me to tag you sure you can tag me uh don't be creepy uh it's not tinder and uh <laughs> send her weird messages uh, so uh, i'll post on there but i appreciate it man that's amazing yeah thank you uh so uh, if you guys are on itunes right now stop uh don't be a lazy ass go to your podcast app scroll your finger all the way down drop me a five star leave a couple of comments uh, and again, if you got a question for Monica or something, I'm going to throw this up on IG. You can see her stuff. She posts about once a year, uh, <laughs> but she does post, so it'll be on there. So, uh, Until next time, you guys, eat well, train hard, be nice to people, and please keep doing shit you love with people you enjoy because your life is too short not to. I'll talk to you soon. Peace.